0: Welcome to the Young Farmers Food Safety Focus Group Series. I'm Maggie Kaiser, the Produce Safety Training Coordinator for the National Young Farmers Coalition. Throughout the summer of 2020, I, along with Bree Leiker, Billy Mitchell, and farmer facilitators from across the country, hosted a series of focus groups with farmers where we discussed the challenges and successes of implementing various on-farm produce safety practices. And we recorded them because we want these conversations to be a resource for you. In every session, we bring together farmers with similar experiences for a discussion about a specific farm food safety topic. We begin each one with a farmer presentation followed by a roundtable discussion where farmers share problems and solutions with one another. We hope you enjoy them and find some practical information for your farm. I'll get us going. I'm really excited that you could all be here today. Uh, today's focus group will be Produce Safety for Educational Farms with Paul Kreisich of Windy City Harvest in Chicago. Uh, I think it'll be really useful especially because it just seems like more and more of our membership base for young farmers are people working on educational farms so this is um, super apropos. My name is Maggie Kaiser, and I am the Produce Safety Training Coordinator with the National Young Farmers Coalition. I'm based in New Orleans, though, and also a farmer here and a nursery grower. Yeah. So we're going to do some introductions now, and I'd love to hear who you are, where you're farming, and why you decided that this was the focus group for you. Uh, I will pass it to Billy and Bree first. They are two of the people that are helping to put uh, these focus groups together this summer so that you know all of us, and then we'll pass it to farmers. And we'll just kind of do it where we invite the next person. So Bree, I'm gonna pass it to you first.
1: Hi everyone, my name is Bree Slager, and I am interning at National Young Farmers Coalition uh, this summer with Maggie and helping her out, as she said. And in addition to being an intern, I'm also a grad student at NYU in the Food Studies program. All right, Billy, you're up next.
2: Hi, y'all, my name is Billy Mitchell. I work for the National Farmers Union, which is based out of Washington, DC, but I live down on the coast of Georgia. Uh, Before this job, I got to work on a bunch of different farms, including managing an educational farm for a couple of years in the heart of Atlanta. And now, uh, pre-pandemic, I travel around and visit farms and talk food safety, and during pandemic, uh, do this over Zoom.
3: Okay, Um, my name is Sophie, pronouns she, her. Um, I farm in Yorktown, New York, which is uh, Westchester County um, on a farm that is owned by Westchester County and run by a nonprofit. (laughs) So it's a little bit of a a thing. I came into this position this year as the harvest and farm stand manager. So I find myself uh, trying to update their food safety protocols in general and then COVID stuff hit and now what? <laughs> so that's why I wanted to see, I wanted to see what other people are doing too. How about Paul?
4: Uh, hi everyone. So I'm Paul. I am the apprenticeship instructor here at Windy City Harvest and Chicago Botanic Garden. I'm in Chicago, and I have been training a, mostly adults in agriculture for almost like seven years and like either in this organization or like at other organizations, um, so I would like to share what I've done and what we do now and I'm really interested in how other people train either like adults or other populations like within the context of food safety but I'm also just always interested in just like education theory in general as well so I'd love to have this like discussion today Um, and I use he him and his and I'm going to call on Lisa hi
3: I'm Lisa Welsh. I actually have a micrograins farm
1: in Florida, but I came to this focus group um, because the education component uh, definitely speaks to me. There's something about education and just bringing it to other people, and I want to do a component of that, at least with our business as we grow, to just kind of learn more.
5: Hi, my name's Peter. My pronouns are he, him. I farm in Northeast Iowa, and uh, it's a diversified market vegetable farm. With some kind of fun livestock, and I grew up on this farm, and then I'm kind of in the process of transitioning, taking it over from my mom. And something that I bring to the farm is a uh, background in environmental education, and so trying to um, bring that to the farm is why I'm interested.
0: Thanks, everyone. That's great. Well, Paul, let's kick it to you. and. Just dive right into this.
4: Okay, um, so this is where I work at. I work at the Chicago Botanic Gardens Windy City Harvest Program, and I'm the apprenticeship instructor. More on the apprenticeship in a, in a little bit. I also am a board member of Advocates for Urban Agriculture, which is another organization here in Chicago mm-hmm. that um, kind of tries to support agriculture within the Chicago land area, either by like technical training, or advocacy. Um, also, what I usually do, we already did like introductions, but um, I have down what your first job is. And that's a question I like to ask a lot of a lot of the people that I talk to is that because when City harvest, we are a job training program. Our motto is like um, food, jobs and health. And we try to train people coming from different kinds of backgrounds within job training, whether they're trying to go into a job like within agriculture or they're just trying to use or using agriculture as a way of um, training them in other transferable job skills. So we have four, now five main programs. Um, The core program is a transitional jobs training program that we do. So anyone who has been previously incarcerated, we train them four days out of the week on our farms in transferable job skills. So they do everything on the farm that staff do. And then one day we also do like resume resumes, um, cover letters, um, other kinds of workshop about financial literacy. Um, Youth Farm, which we work with teenagers as um, more about emo- social emotional learning. Um, so helping students learn about leadership, learning how to communicate with different kinds of personalities. And then we also have an entrepreneurship and careers program, which we run like one day workshops, 14 week workshops. And we also have an incubator farm that apprentices that go through my program could apply for land on the South side of Chicago to run their own like business. So the whole point of this is that we work with a lot of different populations coming from a lot of different places around the Chicago land area. And we just always use like agriculture kind of as like a conduit to kind of teach whatever we might be teaching, whether it being like health, actual agricultural training, whatever it might be. So the apprenticeship, which is what I teach, that's a nine-month program um, through Chicago City Colleges. Spring and summer, from January to July, it's like two full days on the farm and then one half day just of like lecture. So kind of like what we're doing right now, but like about like soil science and all that kind of stuff. Marketing, best practices, food safety. Um, And then the fall term, which what we're in right now, is that they get a 12-week paid work experience, so they work anywhere from 24 to 37.5 hours on a farm, either at our organization or we partner up with other organizations at, like, a cost-share kind of program. We also have a kind of, like, a continuum or, like, a kind of, we call it also, like, a pipeline where students can come from, like, Youth Farm, also from CORE, the Transitional Jobs Training Program, and they could get, like, a full scholarship into the um, into the apprenticeship um, program. So, and then from there, we're hoping that a lot of people either will go find a job, either like related in the field or become an incubator farmer, which is also the next step in our kind of like our training pathway. So, yeah, that's a little bit of the apprenticeship. Let's talk food safety. So, you always want to know like who your audience is, right? So, you're going to teach a, like someone who is more considered like youth versus someone who's more considered adult. Versus like, how are they interacting with you? Are they like a volunteer? Are they like one of your participants? Or are they like a fresh staff that you just hired that are going to be on for either a season or full time? Everybody has their different motives for learning what you're trying to teach them. Again, you have to think about like, what will they be doing? How much will they be doing? And why are they here? So for example, some of my apprentices, they want to learn. They want to become professionals. They chose this do like as a career path so they will want to do everything they will do everything versus like volunteers that i've worked with they want to like basically help they want to get free food they want to have a unique experience you know usually what i do with like food food safety is i train them in like one aspect um either like washing or harvesting more on that later another thing that i found to, to help is you have to train the trainer every single year so here at Windy City Harvest, all staff, we get retrained on all of our processes every single year. And at first, honestly, I thought it was a little too much. However, after a couple of years, I was I noticed that this helped me really internalize on how to teach other people. It's like, you can just keep learning the same information every single year, year in and year out. So if you are training your own staff or you're like trying to um, educate yourself. I would just keep redoing it because the more you internalize it, the more you could just regurgitate a lot of these like complicated or very like dense facts that food safety has in a way better way to engage your participants. in. also you have to do different materials for the same topic. You have to learn how to say the exact same thing seven different ways and to make sure you reach the widest, the widest audience, even with the same person They might need to hear it in three, four, five different ways before it really gels in their head. Because remember to us who've been practicing like food safety, farming, all this kind of stuff, after a while it's like second nature to us. But for someone coming into like the first year, maybe first day on a farm, this is all really new. A perfect example is that I still remember – like first week of like the apprenticeship and it's not to do with food safety but i asked somebody go turn on the hose for me while i was doing a demonstration and someone said i don't know what that means and that really is like oh let me pedal backwards for a second and really try to break this down as much as possible so things that we do like videos pictures there's like text participation demos charts games you know some people are visual learners some people need to hear auditory some people need to do it a bunch of times some people need a combination of all three so and then always 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 connected to the why the why in education really makes things stick for the long term once you start talking about like this is for customer safety or you could say it's the law this can make us like marketable better to like the markets um what kind of things you could catch out there um like listeria and all that that fun stuff or you could also say like some people are just like if you learn this these kinds of skills you could take this into another job outside of agriculture you could go into kitchens you could go into warehousing you could go into a lot of different stuff a lot of this stuff is transferable in a lot of different ways you know also just not only like just food safety but like logging and logistics and all that so my whole point with this is always connect back. To the why? Why are you teaching this? Here are a couple of things that we do at Winnie City Harvest on different kinds of like levels. But you can see it goes from like infrequent volunteers all the way to like staff managers that have been here for like years and years and years. So infrequent volunteers, which is like usually look like what I think of as like a volunteer group. Like all of a sudden you have like the um, I know a lot of colleges do like alternative spring breaks or something they like to come out, all of a sudden you decide like, hey, maybe harvesting carrots might be a cool activity for them. What we do is we go over a one-page document um, that I shared with y'all and we have them sign it. I go over like, you know, everyone has to wash their hands. Um, I'm just going to train you in exactly one thing that day. I may have like all the volunteers just harvest carrots. And while I have like staff, like wash it and like make sure like quality is up to up to par and everything, but truly really trying to simplify it into something for these like volunteer groups. Remember like volunteer groups, like they're in it to so like they wanna help and they also wanna have a unique experience. So if you try to like do like a two hour training with them, which I've tried to do, it just doesn't go over that well. And if they have any questions, that's where you kind of go over it. And remember always go to the why, like a big why that our participants really connect to is that because uh, of a lot of our produce go to, um, participants that may have, um, not the strongest, like immune systems. Some of our participants, you know, maybe they're like they're the elderly, or maybe they have some kind of diet related disease. So you know, really putting it into perspective anyway. So your frequent, the frequent volunteers, I call my weekly heroes. So we do like the one pager and then we do the food safety standards, which is like a long document. Um, it's, We usually train about one to two hours, and I have them usually specialize in like a harvest task. So always helping like one volunteer last year um, was always just packing and labeling, and they became the best at packing and labeling. As we keep going down, you can kind of see how we just like stack onto the trainings as we keep going. Also, all our participants, we do the two to three hour food safety workshop that everybody does, go over the food safety standards in detail, um, everyone does get a serve safe food handlers certificate and the mostly the biggest reason why we do that is because of job readiness that looks really good on a resume no matter like where you go so that's one of the reasons why we do that other things that we do is we do on-farm evaluations so we have an evaluation where we say like can you set up a washback station what does that mean check yes check yes no no um, daily feedback usually our apprentices Um, they're harvesting about once a week at their labs. So they get this daily feedback. It's like, Hey, you didn't wash your hands, go wash your hands. We do class quizzes. We do on-farm demos of how to set up a wash pack station, how to cut lettuce, how to um, sort tomatoes and that kind of stuff. So again, this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier is like, there are different ways of teaching the food safety in different kinds of modes, whether it being quizzes, demos, text boring PowerPoints, whatever it might be. Staff and staff managers, um, we go over the same thing, food safety every single year, the yearly standards workshop, which is a lot more than just food safety, but it's an all day workshop, just to retrain ourselves and into like what the policies are and share experiences of how to teach participants coming from different kinds of backgrounds. Um, we also do the Proto Safety Alliance eight hour training, great training if you haven't been we also do food safety handlers and then all staff managers we also do the serve safe managers certificate so training different participants whether it being staff or like participants volunteers in different kinds of ways really depends on like how much are they're going to be participating on your farms and like how long they're going to be there so my tips are to simplify dense material and make it engaging if anybody's ever gone through like the gap, like training, eight-hour training, the FISMA eight-hour training and stuff, there's a lot of material in there that it is your job as like a trainer or an educator to really try to condense it and to make it into plain language. Also, just doing different kinds of materials. Like no one says that food safety has to be boring. Like there could be quizzes, we've done Jeopardy games, skits, wash pack stations. My favorite is the PSAs, where I'll do like a lecture like like I'm doing now, except a lot lot longer. And then I'm like, all right, now here's a topic. Re-explain it back to me in the form of a PSA. Once you have to tell people to explain what what they just heard in their own words, that makes them engage with the material so, so much more, especially if you can make it a competition because everybody loves competition. So again, just like always, whenever you're teaching someone, always try to have them like, hey, can you read back to me what I just, what it has told you. Can you walk me through the process of how to add sanitizer to the water again? You can't just say to somebody, do you understand? And they'd be like, and they can say, yes, that doesn't mean much. You have to see it for yourselves. They might know it right then and there, but will they remember it tomorrow? Will they remember it again next week? So a couple other things that we do, standard operating procedures, everybody loves them. So <laughs> The more, the more you teach, the more you don't want to repeat yourself all the time. So just write it down for your students or your participants or your staff, like step-by-step lists of how to do something. Make sure to put everything as a yes or no question. Like, did you clean the sink with this cleaner and this sanitizer? Yes or no. Don't just be like, is the sink clean? Be specific. And pictures, I am a pure believer in pictures. If you want to say like this is how the wash pack station should look, you could take one picture or you could write a whole page on how you get there. Last couple things are you know Habits start at day one. So you want to start correcting staff participants right away when you're teaching them people We'll really appreciate it if you just like give them like direct feedback. They go, hey, don't forget to wash your hands. You did not wash your hands that long. This is how exactly you wash your hands. Do it from day one, because it's a lot easier to do it from day one than to come back and be like, hey, um, you've been cutting lettuce wrong this whole time or whatever it might be. Other things is our logs. Logs make it real. I've noticed that anywhere from our youth to all the way to our adults participants, Once they have to like log it and be like, okay, you have to turn this into someone, it just makes it like real to them. And again, repetition is the best. Just have them do it again and again and again and again. So that's the end of my presentation. I'll stop sharing. So I'll leave this like space open for like questions about any of the material I went over. If not, I have my own questions on like what are your experiences in like education or like teaching farming and food safety.
3: I have sort of a, a very specific, maybe COVID food safety question.
4: Yeah.
3: In part because the farm I work on is owned by the government, we're required to follow all of these protocols, but some of them are a little bit unclear. And so we decided recently that we need to make it mandatory for uh, harvest crew to wear a mask and gloves while harvesting. Um, and before we were just really on washing your hands, like working the social distance. Um, I don't know if any, uh, anyone else is in the New York area. It's been 95 degrees for like a million years. <laughs> and wearing a mask while harvesting is getting really hard. Uh, so we're, we're evaluating what to do about this. Um, our crew is really small. We only have six people on it we are not taking any volunteers right now as a safety precaution. So I'm wondering if anyone else is figuring out stuff like that. Are you requiring mask wearing at all times, at certain times, glove wearing at all times, at certain times?
4: So I'll share what we're doing during harvest. I require that everyone wears masks, not only for the produce safety, but also for worker safety. Um, that you have to like touch your mask and then touch like other things. So just keep your mask on. So you're not just like cross contaminating other tools, other like produce. Also like you are passing each other all the time versus like regular farm tasks where you could kind of like isolate a little bit. Like someone's in the hoop house, someone's over here. Um, I don't do gloves. I just do a lot of hand washing and I've also busted out the sanitizer as well. And with the, the mask wearing, it's it's hard, but it's it's just like, I just sound like, this is the rules, this is what's keeping people safe until we hear otherwise, like, this is what we're doing.
5: Okay, one of the things we're doing is, we have some jobs that are kind of more indoors, like in the pack house, where just one person is doing that always. So it kind of depends on your operation because we're really small and we can kind of spread out most of the time. but. We also have two employees that live together already, so they're kind of a set unit. So that allows us to separate them from everyone else, and we can kind of have teams. Sophie, I'm not doing
0: any harvesting at this moment, but I was like March to June just because of our season, and I did wear a mask every time that I harvested, mostly because I felt like I wanted to be extra cautious. But... Gloves were not required, and I think that if you are going to require gloves, you just want to make sure that you are using the gloves properly. But we just stuck stuck to washing our hands consistently as opposed to using gloves. That was just our personal preference.
3: We've been using um, like reusable work gloves that are really bulky and hard to bunch stuff in, of course, and then that rubber gloves that, honestly, I like what you were saying, you have to use them properly. And right now it's so hot. You could like put your hand up and just watch the sweat, like pool from your gloves. Like how clean is that? Just wash, you know, if your hands are sweating that much, there's an issue.
2: I love talking about gloves and risk. It is thinking about what risks you're trying to control on the farm. And um, both guidance from people at Cornell and others is that, you know, the hand washing is reducing and controlling that risk. And and once you introduce the gloves, you're introducing this new thing into your system and you could be introducing complexity and so actually increasing your risk. And so if you feel confident and comfortable that you have a really good hand-washing program in place and especially during COVID, but also flu season, really anytime, emphasizing that good hand-washing, that's a really good way to control that risk without introducing all the complications that can come with gloves and the same goes with masks too. Like if you know that you can really ensure that distance then, then it's something to, to think about. But like Paul said, if you know that like workers can be crossing each other, like you just have to address your own risks or same with Peter, you know, knowing your operation is a big part to writing a food safety plan and, and knowing what your own risks are um, while at the same time having to do what the government says. But don't, if, you, if you can get your, the hands washed, get those gloves out of there. <laughs> just introducing too much risk and too much waste and cost. Uh, invest that time and money in reducing your risks in other ways. And just last thing about gloves, since nobody's talking, is Betsy Bin is the lead food safety person at Cornell in New York State. And you can always reach out to her. You can tell her Billy Mitchell sent you, and I'll get an email about it later.
5: I have a question for Paul and anybody, but... How do you make food safety really fun and inviting on the farm, especially for youth?
4: I laugh because no one, no one loves like food safety and like going over food safety time and time again. But one thing I've done with with my with my students in the past is that as soon as we go over like the basic rules and everything, I make somebody the rules czar. So somebody besides me is going around and having to actually go and tell other people that they're doing stuff wrong and somehow that like is a really awesome thing that people want to do every single time on like teams um and everything i i think it's just like the attitude of the manager of how they're dealing with like food safety to actually be like strict about it but not get up into people's face about it and also always tell them like the why of why, why this always like matters instead of just like go wash your hands instead of like, I saw that you picked up your water bottle and you took a drink and that's why I'm asking you to go wash your hands. Not just like blurting out like orders all the time. Does anyone else have things they want to share?
0: I don't know if I have anything that's like super solid. I think anytime though that you can get someone to like, get them doing the activity with you makes it feel like less like they're being told what to do and more like they are participating in just like the regular activities of the farm. There's a farmer in I think in Minnesota who is also a produce safety educator and they have a saying, no shame, retrain. So like anytime if you see somebody who is not necessarily doing things the way they should be doing. Maybe they're washing their hands 15 seconds, as opposed to 20 seconds. Like that is a teachable moment. And to just, you know, like straight up saying no shame, retrain, we have to wash our hands for 20 seconds. Here's why the why of it. And like, we're just going to do it. And I'm going to make sure I do it too. And we're going to make sure everyone does it on the farm. And I really love that.
2: I'll say with kids and Peter, you've probably had this experience, but even with adults, catching people doing something right, not catching them doing something wrong. So really celebrating those kids and employees when you see them. And then with adults too, it's it's providing the proper tools. And so if you have a bunch of kids coming, instead of just having one hand wash station, building something where like 10 kids can wash their hands at once, which might be taking a PVC pipe and drilling a bunch of holes in it. So a lot of water's coming out. So it's a group activity, but also you can see that one kid that walks away before the 20 seconds are up, or you can see that one adult that walks away, but really making the food safety accessible and easy to do too. Like if the hand washing station's really far away, people probably aren't going to use it. Or if your bathroom is gross, you know, people aren't going to use it. And people seem to have an idea that you can sometimes go to the bathroom anywhere on a farm. Providing those things and making it simple and making it fun. When I used to work with teenagers, I mean, this is maybe not a best practice, but things I would do is like I would put my hand in my mouth and then go and shake their hand and be like oh that's gross like well what do you want me to do like well wash your hands first Mr. Mitchell I'm like all right well then we're all going to wash our hands because all our hands are being touching weird things but sometimes like you got to be a little outrageous with kids maybe with adults too.
3: Can I ask another question? Is that okay? <laughs> um, maybe maybe more of a like sharing and thing. but I started, um, I started my position this season and I was on on the small crew, the only new person on the crew. Everyone else had been there for at least a year. And I found myself in a managerial position with everyone who has been there longer than I am. And they have had no food safety plan before I got there. And so I I did a food, um, like a very brief food safety update for everyone at the beginning of the season. And it was just like crickets. anyone has anyone else come across a group or working with someone who just doesn't like is just not into it or like doesn't care or thoughts comments
1: (laughs) I've come across that just because we don't have a food safety plan like implemented and so I mentioned a couple things to like farm the farm managers here. They've been accustomed to the way they've done things and nobody has ever told them otherwise. So then, you know, um, sometimes it is difficult to, I would say, change. But I would say with all these great ideas that you guys are sharing, make it fun. And also for adults as well, it'll definitely, I think it's a game changer, I would say, instead of just saying being strict and be like, hey, you have to
5: do this. <laughs> it's really hard to change culture. And also, like, I think the people on my farm who are worse are my mom and myself, because we grew up doing this. And it started from a hobby, kind of, you know, house garden. It didn't come as like a thing to make business. And then it, it grew and grew. and it takes that retraining and um, getting through the, that kind of swallowing what you need to really do to change your habits. So I think sh- no shame retrain will, is probably the best route, especially with adults.
1: Yeah, and Sophie, I've had a similar experience. Uh, I'm, also, I'm a beekeeper, a hobby beekeeper. And I was volunteering on a farm, and as a volunteer, telling uh, some food safety tips before I even really knew what they were, and working with uh, Maggie and Billy. But um, we were doing a honey harvest in uh, their slaughterhouse. It was a clean room. It was fully cleaned, and just things were not making sense, feathers and drains, all this stuff. And so with the, you know, like what would... What Paul was saying before you know what what's the how or the why sorry and the why is like if we don't have this room cleaned up and everyone wearing gloves or everyone wearing a hat the product's not good and what eventually ended up happening was a batch of the honey that they were selling was not
0: able to be sold. We did a focus group With Roberto Mesa, who's a farmer in Colorado, and the theme of his focus group was creating a culture of produce safety on your farm, but something that he did with his employees was to create scenarios about, I don't know, any sort of like contamination or something like that, and then the employees would have to try to guess like what the inspector would say in this situation, and then that would help them figure out like how to best handle it. And I, that is something that I love a lot. um, And that I do with, my boss does it with me a lot, Kara, when we travel. Because if we get like worried about like what could go wrong or whatnot, like she's like, let's just lay out all the things that could go wrong. And then we're ready for them. I think in the case of produce safety too, it's just an interesting thought exercise. And I really, I really like that. It just gives your employees, people you work with, ownership a little bit too, and you get their feedback, you get to hear where they're coming from.
4: Also to echo on that, like, when first training people on food safety, some people think of it as like this, like super like daunting thing, like we could never do all of this, like this is impossible, this is not even like made for farmers. But then once we like actually get into it, like what it actually means, all of a sudden, you you start to do, like, the, like the low-hanging fruit. It's like, oh, making sure that we have a place to wash our hands or making sure this kind of stuff. And then once the wheels start turning of actual change, it makes, like, people more open to this, like, bigger stuff. It's like, oh, now that's easy. Well, I guess I could, like, log my stuff now. And, you know, change in itself doesn't come all, like, abruptly, especially, like, within institutions where, like, people that actually have, like, these concrete habits. It takes just a little bit at a time, and and I say this because when I started farming, you know, the the first couple farms I worked on, you know, their food safety plan wasn't as like rigorous as it is now. And when I came to Winnie City Harvest, I was like, this is insane. This is too much. This is I can't do this. And now this is like what I preach um, because I know it's totally doable.
0: Yeah, and I think like if you're if you are in the position to hire or if you are the one that's working with volunteers, maybe just be straight up that like produce safety and everything that goes along with it, that is part of the job and that is part of coming to the farm and having an educational experience or helping harvest or whatnot.
2: Well, yeah, I'll, I'll just say, cause I love talking about this, just getting rid of a seed bed takes like three to five years. It's the same with produce safety changes. Like you just got to keep, doing it. Some of the hardest parts is like saying it and then sticking to it yourself. Like sometimes that was my least favorite part about managing a farm. Like maybe I wanted to leave the tools in the field overnight because I was tired, but like I can't because I was always asking everybody else to put the tools away. And, and then providing, like Paul said, just over and over again that why and um, sometimes making it very personal. I mean, there are some incredibly sad stories of The saddest produce safety story I know, I'm sorry to kind of end it on this, but is a dairy farmer who went home, didn't take his boots off, went into his kitchen. His daughter crawled across the kitchen floor. They took his daughter to a neighbor's house. She got in the bath and the neighbor's child was the one who ended up getting pathogenic E. coli. And so like, that's a one in a million thing, but like, do you ever want to risk even that one in a million thing? Like I would never want to risk my neighbor or a friend or anyone's we see our customers all the time. And like our commitment to community is such a big deal. And so not just healthy, nutritious food, but safe food is just so important to us. It's just, it just takes a minute. Kind of like getting older farmers to think about organic practices. Sometimes like you just got to show up and show the benefits and consistency, patience, humbling, humbling concepts. Farming teaches you.
0: Yeah. And something Billy always tells me is kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Um, I don't think you should say that to your employees or your volunteers because I think that would lead <laughs> to, the, I don't know, complaints. But I do think that there is something in in trying to just, like, keep it as simple as possible and, like Paul said, use plain language as much as you can.
1: I guess I got a question that could be a positive question to end it on. I'm thinking um – Maybe you could tell us one of the times where, you know, you know when kids get that aha moment or when you teach somebody something and they finally get that, like, that light bulb and you can see it. Like, I don't know, maybe everyone could say what what was the time when they had somebody have an aha moment and they got what they've been trying to teach them. Uh,
2: I I will say before a food safety workshop one time on a friend's farm, he cleaned his wash pack area for basically the first time ever, like cleaned it, organized it, because he was, like, you know, worried. I was, I don't know. And to yell at him. I don't know what he was worried about. I would never do that. Um, but then the next day he called me and he's like, we just had the fastest pack wash we've had in years because we knew where all the bags were. We could see everything like things, just being clean and organized made us more efficient and more effective. And He's like, things just weren't as dirty as they usually were. We had things off the ground. And so sometimes making changes just for produce safety can also improve just your quality of life on your farm too. Um, So there's plenty of happy, positive things that come out of it as well, I hope. Also, just watching a kid pull a carrot out of the ground for the first time ever is just like the world's greatest experience to watch a little kid pull a carrot out and be like, you know, even adults who've never farmed or gardened, that is just real joy.
0: I can't think of an aha moment, but I do. Sophie, I saw that you asked your question. Is anyone doing anything drastically different because of COVID? So I wanted to make sure that we hit on that
4: yeah for us it's we've suspended like volunteers um and also like no like tours or like volunteer groups you know one of the (laughs) one of the best things I would love to tell people is like yes please come visit me please stop me from working for a second so I can like talk about this kind of stuff and that just doesn't happen anymore um good thing bad thing probably both (laughs) Other than that, it's kind of just like operations in general, besides like markets, like switching up a little bit.
5: We switched up our markets. We're not doing farmers market, um, which is probably good because I think a lot of people or customers were not very uh, good at not using masks and social distancing. Um, So there's a food hub that started an online marketplace, which has been good, but not the same we don't get to see customers anymore so we did a self-guided csa tour where we scheduled people they could sign up for a time and then they had a route so no one really crossed paths which was kind of nice that people could kind of come out to the farm and have a place to relax and still kind of be engaged with the farm even though we weren't around really
0: cool y'all thank you so much for everyone's participation today Bye, thanks for listening to our produce safety focus group series for visuals from the presentations more information on this series and other produce safety resources visit youngfarmers.org focusgroups this podcast was edited by hannah beal and recorded in partnership with the national farmers union foundation over the summer of 2020 as part of our fsop produce safety programming